Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. I'm excited today to share with you a message in our series, I Feel Attacked. You don't feel attacked right now? Like I didn't until you started shouting in a microphone. Come on, you don't want to feel like you are the, the, the target of like a sniper shot. Like, man, just it hit me right where it hurts. I'm going through something right now, and it's got me. I'm in the crosshairs. Anyone feel like you are the, the product of, it's like a hard to, to pin down, intangible sort of attack. You just feel like the world is against you. Anyone feel like there's a friend or loved one who knows where all your buttons are, and they know exactly how to push you, and they're just coming at you all the time? You're like, man, I feel so attacked. Anyone feel like, I know it's not their fault, I know it was not their intention, and yet here I am dealing with the feelings of being attacked and, and, and triggered. Anybody know what it is like to feel attacked? If you're struggling with, uh, with bitterness, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the message from two weeks ago. We talked about getting freedom from bitterness. The thing that's happened to you is very likely not your fault. It's not like, man, it's my, I, I got myself here, and yet it is your responsibility to get yourself out of there. You, you need to experience forgiveness. Forgiveness is going to set you free from bitterness. How many people were in church last week? Can you wave at me if you were in church last week? So you heard a great message from, from Kobe. Can we show some honor and thank Kobe for that word? Amazing. Imagine if I did that because he was like, yeah, no one really appreciated it. Like, don't worry, man. We'll, we'll get you pumped up today. You know, actually, when you honor the word, it, it, it's more about you than the person who's just shared it. When you engage in being grateful for the word of God, it's not so that the preacher can feel good about themselves. It actually positions you to receive and give, like, like a highlight and give authority to the word of God in your life. That's what happens. It's not like God is sitting up on his throne feeling insecure and then you're like, that was good. And he's like, oh, really? I am doing good at this thing, this God thing. But it positions you to say, this is the voice I want to listen to. This is the voice I want to hear. And today, I want to encourage you to lean in and give some authority and honor to the word of God. The word of God is not always the easiest thing to think about. It's not the easiest thing to ponder, but it's good for us. Today, I want to share a message with you, and it's going to challenge some. It's going to encourage others, and it might leave some even feeling a little bit attacked it's going to be good. It's entitled, Neither Quick Nor Painless. Neither Quick Nor Painless. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask right now in your name that you'd speak to us through your word. I pray that the words that are yours would be impossible to forget. We'd find ourselves mulling them over and pondering them for, for hours and for days until we apply them to our lives. I ask that the words that are, are, are only mine would be so quickly forgotten that people would say worship was great, the coffee was good, I can't remember a word that he said. We give a place and position to your word today. Speak to us, we pray. In your name, amen. Neither quick nor painless. Have you ever noticed in life that quick and painless is like the sales pitch for everything? You go to a mechanic, 
You hear something, you know, happen under the hood of your car? Oh, yeah, I know what that is. We'll get in there. It'll be quick and painless. You're like, no, it's probably going to be neither of those things. The hourly that you charge hurts a lot, okay? You go to a dentist, they're like, okay, here's the bad news. Bad news is cavities all over the place. Good news, it'll be quick and painless. Like, no, I need to make another appointment, and then you're going to put a needle in my face. It's not going to be quick or painless. God bless mechanics. God bless dentists. They're not the only ones who do this. You see it on, on commercials. If you're not wealthy enough to have YouTube premium, I also am not. I know the pain. You've got to watch through some commercials. And you see a commercial for some, like a product like Navage. It's a quick and painless way to clean out your sinuses, right? All the allergens, and it's like someone puts this machine up to their nose, and it's shooting water up their nose. I'm like, it might be quick, doesn't look that painless, certainly doesn't look like it's without mess. Quick and painless. 14-day solution to having cut abs. It'll be quick and painless. No, it won't. It's not the way this thing works. I mean, even Dr. Pollock claims all his uh, procedures are quick and painless. I know I've just ruined the podcast. That's such a localized niche thing. No one knows what I'm talking about. Everything's quick and painless. In fact, we, we kind of live our life often pursuing quickest solutions and most pain-free solutions. I heard someone on a podcast this week. They said, you know what? In your life, as long as you know that you're happy and you're comfortable then you know you're doing it right. Imagine just like playing that out through our life. As long as I feel happy, and as long as I'm always comfortable, then I know I'm doing it right. You show up at the gym, you look around the room, you're like, what here is going to make me feel happy and comfortable? Certainly nothing that's going to be useful to getting you stronger. Imagine it in your interpersonal conversations with people with whom you're intimately connected, a spouse, a loved one, a parent, a child, a sibling, uh, a roommate, if you're like, you know what, as long as we're always happy and always comfortable with everything we're saying, then we know we're doing good. No, you're probably drifting slowly apart from one another. The best things for us in life are often neither quick nor painless. There's often a a process involved, a a slowing down that needs to happen in order for us to experience the best life. We can talk about living our best life, but living our best life doesn't look the best all the time. There's some sweat and some tears and some blood involved. There's a process, there's a work, there's a pain. Today I want to propose to you that, that some of the best things that happen in our life are neither quick or painless. Some of the best things for us relationally are neither quick nor painless. But it doesn't mean you're under attack. Attacks are real. There are legitimate attacks, but not everything is an attack. Just because it hurts doesn't mean it was an attack. In fact, today I'd like to propose to you that, that hard words from a friend are not attack, they're love. That correction from a leader is not attack, it's love. That discipline from the Lord is not attack, It's love. If you have your Bible with you, turn to the book of James, if you would. James chapter 1. Had a great time uh, with a a group of people at Vivid College studying the book of James. If you have never come to a Vivid College course, I want to encourage you, next semester, do this. We are diving into the Word of God and going deep together, uh, getting a better understanding of what God's Word means. Look at James chapter 1, if you could get there. James chapter 1, starting at verse 2. It says this, Consider it. Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. 
Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Oh, but pastor, my trial is so unique. Guess what? It falls under the umbrella of many kinds. Oh, the trial I'm facing is so unfair. Also, under the same umbrella, Ella, Ella, A, A, A. All of the trials that we might face come under the same umbrella, many trials. James says, hey, just count it as joy. Consider it joy. What James doesn't say is, feel joy while you walk through trials. What he doesn't say is, pretend you feel joy and turn that frown upside down. Instead, he says to consider it. He says, I want you to engage a faith-filled logic to what you're going through and make the determined, devoted decision, this doesn't feel good, but there's something good for me here. I don't know if you've ever been able to, to help a, a child learn basic things. It's so fun. My, my son right now, Crux, he's, uh, he's just over one. He's learning new things every day. Last night I said something to Jennifer and he turned around in his high chair and he said, what? <laughs> I thought that was awesome. I explained it a second time and guess what he said? What? Because <laughs> he got such a chuckle the first time. He says, I, you. He forgets love, but we know what he's going with, okay? It's contextual. Soon he's going to learn to start counting. He's going to be able to look at the fingers on one hand and go one, two, three, four, five. And then he'll discover that he has two hands and he can go to 10. Then you take his socks off and he might be able to get to 20. Most of my kids, however, have usually missed the number 16. For some reason, maybe it's genetic. You know how it's like 13, 14, 15, 17, 18, 19. Maybe they're like mad at the Canucks for their treatment of Trevor Linden. I don't know. But they just kind of omit 16. But at some point, you know, counting one, two, three, you're like, you did it. Yay. And then, then they advance and you see kids starting to push themselves going, I wonder if I could count to 100. I wonder if I can push myself. Well, counting becomes quite simple. So simple, in fact, that we learn to count by twos or fives or tens. And, and instead of saying one, two, three, four, five, we can say 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. What's happening? Well, it's actually an incredibly complex mathematical thing that's taking place. Well, we are learning to say one equals 10 and two equals 20 and three equals 30. We're doing multiplication, learning sequences in our mind. And soon 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 is just as easy as one, two, three, four, five. And something complex is happening behind the scenes, but it feels natural. This is what James is saying. I want you to, to push yourself log logically, learn some faith-filled logic so you can make this decision. When I experience trials of many kinds, and I'm counting them one, two, three, four, five, instead I'm gonna start counting them as joy, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. I, I've just learned to do this equation in my mind. I know it feels painful now, but if I persevere through this thing, if I can make it through this thing, even though it's neither quick nor painless, if I can get to the other side of this thing, I'm being matured. Maturity is doing a work in me. God is developing my character. Imagine if God just said, hey, new update of character. Download now. Press update now. 
And then, you know, you wait a few seconds, you're like, oh, it's awesome, man, it feels good to be holy. It's like, that's just not the way it works. God develops our character through trials, through life, even though it's difficult. And we have enough legitimate attacks happening in our life that we don't need to conflate the things that are not really attacked. For instance, hard words from a friend. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. Check this out, speaking of good friends. Proverbs 27, verse five says this, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. You ever notice someone doing something that's not good for them? Come on, have you ever seen something going down like, ooh, that relationship's toxic. They should be getting out of that thing. Did you love them enough to tell them? Because your hidden love for them, your hidden concern, ooh, I hope this doesn't go as bad as I think it is, is not as nice as just coming right out and sharing it. Not as kind. I had a friend growing up, and he was in a bad relationship. In my opinion, pretty toxic. And uh, he showed up at my place one day in tears because the relationship had come to an end. And in that moment, I shared with him like, hey man, this isn't bad for you. I think it's good news. I was that friend. This is great news because here's some of the things I've noticed. Here's some of the things I've seen. Here's some of the warning signs I've observed. This is actually an upgrade for you. This is great news. Then the next day they started dating again. Created a little damage in our friendship. And for a long time, I'm like, man, he shouldn't have done that. He should have listened. Until I realized it was my bad. I didn't share honest feedback with him when he needed it. I shared it when it was comfortable. I, I, I waited till a moment when it was quick and painless. He was already feeling pain, and I could just apply some quick antidote to that. It's all good, man. You're better off this way. Instead of saying the hard words in the midst of it. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Let me ask you this question. If you're taking notes, write it down. Do I have friends who are willing to wound me? Do I have friends who are willing to wound me? Who are willing to tell me the thing that I don't really want to hear right now or it's going to make my life not quite so quick and not quite so painless. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 23. It says, whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than the one who has a flattering tongue. Let me push the question a little bit farther. Are you the type of friend who's willing to wound the ones that you say you love? Here's, here's how you could test it, I suppose. If you're only hearing compliments, if you're only hearing praise, you don't have any friends. You are without friends if all you're hearing is positive feedback. Nobody's that good. And here's the thing, you can't manufacture the type of friendships that would be willing to put themselves out on the limb to wound you. You can't just fake it. You can't just microwave it. Hey man, what's your name, Brian? Hey Brian, can you wound me? Brian's like, I hate this church. We just met. What are you saying? 
You can't manufacture, but you can start where you're at. You can make a decision now. Say, I, come to think of it, don't have the type of people who ever push back on my ideas. Come to think of it, when I experience hardship or pain is when I feel the most lonely because I didn't have anyone warning me about that. I've got to do something about that. Look what it says in, in Psalm chapter 141. Psalm 141. You can get there. Psalm 141. David is speaking here. And he wisely concludes this. Check it out. Verse 5. He says, let a righteous man strike me. Whoa, what a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It's like oil upon my head and my head will not refuse it. Here, here's one of the stipulations. If you're going to find the friends who are willing to wound you, make them righteous friends. Okay, you're like, yeah, I think I must be doing this right. My friend group is super mean. We're constantly blasting one another. We're always thinking of ways to undercut one another. Man, I experienced so much backbiting, so much malice, so much gossip. I must be doing it right. No, no, no. Find righteous people. He goes, I'm willing to have a righteous person hit me upside the head. In fact, I won't even refuse it. It would be like being anointed. It's actually really good for me to experience someone who's willing to put themselves out on the line. Think about it. The last time your friend put themselves on the line, did you make it worth their while? Here's how you make those friends. You invite them. You say, hey, I see something in your life. I see righteousness in your life in this area. I'd love to invite you. Give me feedback. And I'm not going to be very good at receiving it. Don't lie to them and say, I just I love good, hard feedback. And then the first time they push back, you get all defensive and all squirmy. You're like, oh, yeah? Well, you do stuff too. Like, just be honest with it. Be like, hey, I'm not very good at this, to be, to be really truthful. I don't, I've always said I like really strong feedback, but I actually need you to be gentle with it, if you don't mind. I want to get, but we'll get better. We'll get better. But, but I want to actually grow. It was the kindness of your friend that made them willing to tell you no. You're not under attack. Here you're trying to forgive your friend for being a good friend. Lord, help me to forgive them because they, they called me out. They said I need to wear deodorant and I just think that was just terrible. What a terrible attack. No, they love you. And they, they, you smell bad. They're loving you enough to put in, guess what? If they don't love you, they don't say a word. You know what I don't like? I really, really don't like this sign at all. Anybody else? I don't like being told to slow down. I don't want to change my pace. I want to do things the way I want to do them, usually fast and all often painless. But the best things in life are, are friends who would come along and say, hey, the thing you're doing, slow down. Like the Bible does this, right? It says everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Like, slow it down. And if you find a friend who's good enough to you to tell you you need to slow down, don't let go of that friendship. That wound can be trusted. We all have the friends who are, are happy to tell us, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're doing it right. Yeah, I'm just going to get back at them. You should. You deserve it. You know, that friend, when you're ready to turn up, they're like, woo, what are we doing? Like, you need to find the type of friends again. You need to slow down. Oh, I don't want to hurt my friend's feelings. You know, I know they've had too much to drink, but they hate giving up their keys. Love your friend enough to tell them what is true. Say, slow down. Know what else I don't love? This one. I hate this one. Stop. I really don't love this one. I did it this way. 
Slow is correction. Stop is rebuke. They're different. A correction goes, hey, I want you to consider again the next time you're here, do it a little different. But there are some things you just need to stop. Don't ever do that again. Do you have friends who will tell you to slow down? Do you have friends who will tell you to stop? If not, you do not yet have friends. But there's hope for you. There's hope for me. We just need to start building those type of friendships. Do I have friends willing to wound me? Number two, feedback, coaching, challenge from leaders. In our life, there are power structures and hierarchies that exist. And for some reason, both of those words have been so demonized in our culture that anything that has power is wrong and anything that has structure is bad. But, but consider this. Imagine a family with no parents. We all look at that and go, something must be done. If we heard of a place with, with parentless children, we would say, guys, we all need to step up and bring some structure and some care to that situation, would we not? Guess what? A society without any leadership is called anarchy. It's chaos. It's dangerous. It sounds great for a few minutes until you're stuck in the riot. It's not a good place to be. In fact, we would all step up and say something must be done. This is dangerous to, to, the, to the, the little people. Someone's got to do something. Now, we might handle both of those situations wrong, but we would all acknowledge there's a, a problem at, at play. Same is true of like churches without leadership. Churches without bold leadership are really scary places to be. It's a scary place to be without hiring. God gives authority, and he requires a lot of those who have authority, and one of the things required is to challenge, to lead, to correct, and to rebuke. I remember talking to a dad once who had adult children, and his adult children were an absolute mess. And he said to me, well, you know what it's like as a dad, you always have to give your children everything they ask for. I was like, what? Sorry, just say that again. I think you might be having an aneurysm right now. Because it sounded like you just said you always have to give your children everything they ask for. I think, well, yeah, exactly. That's what it's like being a dad. I'm like, dude, you're doing it wrong. And, and a tree will be known by its fruit, and your fruit is rotten. And now we know why. Because part of authority is saying slow down, and part of authority is saying stop. In the Bible, we see this, the, the Apostle Paul, he, he writes a letter to the Corinthians. It's called 1 Corinthians because it was his first letter. Corinthians, the, the Corinthians are a group of people in the city of Corinth, a church that Paul had planted, and, and he was away from them, and he heard of some of the things that were happening, and it was just simply not good. He, he says to slow down on a few things, but most of the letter of 1 Corinthians is a bunch of stops. He finds out that within their church context, in their worship services, they're having orgies. He's like, guys, stop! He finds out that, that when they're having communion, they're elbowing out people and they're getting drunk. So what are you doing? You think that's worship? Well, you gotta get drunk before the orgy starts. He goes, I, I've heard that in your gathering, you guys are competing over who's the most gifted? Stop it! And they were showing up, every person having a word to share, like, the thing God told me about you is more important than the thing that God told her about you, so you're going to hear my thing first. And they were competing in church over who was the best. He goes, guys, stop it. It's in that context that he goes, unless you have love, just shut up. 
You're like a banging cymbal. And you're all competing over your giftedness. You know, someone's like, well, I speak in tongues. He's like, who cares? Everyone can speak in tongues. Like, it's a gift for everyone. Why not find a gift and ask God for a gift that'll actually serve other people? He was calling out some really hard things. The, the, the inconsistencies of the way they lived, the inconsistencies, the hypocrisy that was existing, and the drift that they were having away from the gospel. And as their leader, as their pastor, he was calling out real strong, rebuking them, correcting them, and challenging them. And then we see 2 Corinthians. Guess what? 2 Corinthians came after 1 Corinthians. Crazy how that works. Check out uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. If you have your Bible, turn there real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I want you to to hear the, the tone of voice that Paul writes in. This is so good. The tone of voice that he writes in. Speaking of his first letter, verse two, he says this, make room for us in your hearts. We've wronged no one, we've corrupted no one, we've exploited no one. I don't say this to condemn you, I've said before that you have such a place in our hearts that we would live for you or die for you. I've spoken to you with great frankness. I take great pride in you. I'm encouraged and in all your troubles, my joy knows no bound. Go down to verse eight. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see now that my letter did hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy. Not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so you weren't harmed by me in any way. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what, is, uh, see what this godly sorrow has produced in you? What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourself, what indignation, what alarm and longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. On every point, you've proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. What Paul is basically saying is, sorry, not sorry. Because I shared some things with you, and I know, I know it hurt you for a moment, but I don't regret it at all. Because I would be an illegitimate leader. I'd be a bad parent if I didn't point these things out. And it's not that they were easy to hear. Imagine in that church, like, well, guys, we're doing it all wrong. And someone's like, hold up. No no open bar anymore at this church? Like, it's going to be really hard to invite my friends if we are not having an orgy. That's always the best part of the invitation. And all the competing, we just have to treat one another as equals? I don't want to do that. I'm sure I'm more gifted than Brian. But guess what happened? His willingness to speak hard words actually produced salvation in them. It saved them from themselves. And so he goes, I don't feel bad at all. Let me ask you this question. If you've received like hard words from someone in leadership in your life, a parent, a teacher, a coach, a boss, a pastor, if somebody's ever called you out, challenged you, rebuked you, corrected you, they've said to slow down, they've said to stop, is it saving you or souring you? If you take notes, write it down. Is sorrow saving me or souring me? Godly sorrow is good for us. It wouldn't have been quick or painless to fix the problems that existed in the Corinthian church, but on the other side of rebuke, Paul goes, guys, I'm so proud of you. Look at how eager you are to do what's right. Look at the justice that's existing now in your midst. Look at the earnestness. You're really doing it. 
I'm so proud of you. Imagine, consider this. It would be easier for a person in authority like that parent I spoke to once to just say, well, you always got to give people everything they ask for. Thank God for leadership in our life who would be willing to correct us, who would be willing to rebuke us. The last time someone did, did you make it worth their while? Or did you feel attacked? Hey, you know, you said you were going to come serve and love what you're doing. Didn't even have to do that. You just did it willingly. Thing is, you got to show up on time. Well, you don't know the situation that I've been in and the traffic was so bad and what, coming at me, I have a job. Okay, okay, okay. Just want to challenge you to be the person that you said you're going to be. You know, I just want to remind you the type of integrity you said you were going to have in the relationship that you're in. Whoa, hey, I'm better than most people. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. When you're offended, you don't have to get defensive. I'm speaking to myself right now, by the way. I want more friends who are willing to wound me. I need to invite that in my life. I want leadership to, to lead me to salvation and not to sour my heart. A lot of our church hurt. Now, some of it's very legitimate. There's been so many abuses that have taken place in every organization of humans that has ever existed. When there is an organization, there is, is uh, misdeeds for sure. But some of what we've called abuse is actually just leadership. Can't believe it. I wanted to do something and someone said no. Remember once being in a church and there was someone who showed up and they wanted to sit in the front row and play their tambourine loudly during the sermon. I came over and said, ma'am, unfortunately, you cannot do that right now. You're distracting a large group of people. Well, I want to. I'm like, I don't care at all. Because church is not just about you. It's for all these people that you are now distracting. How, who do you think you are? I'm like, well, I'm the pastor here. So this is how we're going to have to do this here. Because I care about the people who cannot pay attention anymore. You've become your own spectacle, your own sideshow. Well, I never. Yeah, you will never. Bye. Like, like truly. Not because I hate it's, it's part of the responsibility of, of leading. So do I invite wounds from a friend? Do I allow sorrow to save me? Lastly, when it comes to the Lord, sometimes the situations we walk through, the circumstances we walk through, the hardships that we walk through, our first response is, why, Lord? How could you? I've been so good. I've been working so hard. I've been so dedicated, and now this. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. Turn with me if you could. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 in verse, uh, in verse 7. It says this, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. You're not true sons or daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they saw best, but God disciplines us for our own good in order that we, we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. It's just painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. When you experience hardship in life, or what James calls many trials, do you focus on the hardship or the harvest? 
God is challenging us to focus on the harvest, to say this, this is going to be good for me. The issue is I just don't like doing hard things. I don't want to have to endure the hardship. I just want the harvest. That's not how this thing works. No, it's interesting. When, when I watch my kids play sports, which happens a lot, I don't really care about the other people on the floor. I'm just going to be honest. don't really care about how the opponent's doing because I'm not there to watch those kids. I'm there to cheer on my kids. And I have certain standards and expectations for my kids. We don't hang our heads. We don't quit. We keep a good attitude. We, we keep full effort. And they're going to hear from me the expectations that I have. Why? Because they're my kids. It would be weird, inappropriate, and it will just simply never happen that I would go up to someone else's kid and say, hey, Brian. <laughs> if there's a Brian in the room, I think God just wants to get your attention today. Hey, Brian. I can't help but notice you kind of quit out there. You know, my kids are expecting more. It's, I don't care. Brian can do whatever Brian wants to do. I'm in it for my kids. Why? Because I'm their dad. And the Bible says this, when we endure hardship, and we're like, well, it's not fair. Like, no one else is having to go through this. And God's like, it's not about everyone else. This is about you right now. And the hardship you're facing will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace in you if you can learn to persevere. I, I'm allowing you to walk through this because I love you. Guess what this means? It means we get to spiritualize everything. You're like, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to be that person like, wow, I see clouds in the sky. What's the Lord doing today? You know, something spooky. But it, but it literally means this, that when we endure hard things, when we experience things we don't like to experience, we get to say, hey, God, I'm going to find you in this. Prayer is not going to be my last resort. It's my first response. I'm going to seek you in this hardship. Paul also said to the Corinthians that when you experience temptation, God has promised you will not experience temptation beyond what you can bear and will give you a way to stand up under it. So there you are, under the hardship of temptation, going, God, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly didn't think I could handle this, but if you think I can, then I can. I just want to find, we get to spiritualize everything we walk through. Not so we are so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, but so that we actually get to produce the harvest that God wants. When, when his word, uh, hardship comes and says, you got to slow down. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. It doesn't say never speak or never come angry. It says slow down. Correction. When discipline comes in and just stops us in our tracks, we're like, I guess I'm just not going to do that thing that I thought I was going to do. I guess things are not going forward the way I thought they would. I feel broken by, by life. I feel like I'm in the midst of something. No matter what we're facing, we get to spiritualize it and say, well, God's going to give me the strength to endure this. might not have been fair, might not have been deserved. But if I can learn to seek him in this, I'll be a better person for it. When a friend wounds you, it's not an attack. When a leader corrects you, it's not an attack. When God disciplines you and teaches you perseverance through trial, that's not an attack. That's what love feels like. Let me pray for you across the room. Would you bow your heads? Jesus, I, I ask right now, that you give us the type of perspective that can see honesty from friends as love, that can receive feedback and coaching from leaders as love, that can even spiritualize the things we need to endure, the hardships of life, and say, 
hey, you've not left me, you've not forsaken me, I'm gonna get better through this. Help us, Lord, to focus on your harvest and not the hardship. Help break self-centeredness in our life so we see that you're at work even when we feel alone. Oh God. We want to be great at handling legitimate attack. And part of that is learning how to recognize what's not attack. The friends willing to wound us are going to help us in our true attacks. The leaders willing to correct us are going to be covering for us in real attack. And the character you're working in and through us is going to help us endure all sorts of real and genuine attacks that we could be the people you've called us to be. Help us to focus on the harvest, we pray. And with eyes still closed, heads still bowed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've never trusted him with your life, the Bible says that we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when we do that, we're saved. If you're here today and you've never repented of your sin and received God's grace, I'm gonna encourage you to do so. Even where you're sitting, you could pray a prayer like this. Even in the quietness of your own moment, God, I give you my life. I repent of my sin. I receive your grace and forgiveness. Thank you for loving me. Help me to live for you. If you pray a prayer like that, God hears you. You are saved. And your destiny is now to take steps closer and closer to what God has called you to. He's leading you into life. I'd love the opportunity as your pastor to encourage you in your next steps. Come chat with me after. Talk to someone at the Connect booth after and just say, hey, I prayed that prayer today. We'd love to encourage you in your next steps. Amen. Imagine what disdain there would be if you were on your way into danger and someone wasn't willing to tell you to slow down. What a lack of care, concern, or love if you were on your way towards the edge of a cliff and no one told you to stop. Thank God for godly friends. Thank God for godly leaders. Thank God for Jesus who taught us how to endure. If we can allow the the hard things in life, neither quick nor painless, to make us into the people God has called us to be, we really will live the best life that God has for us. Do you believe that? I love you guys so much. I'm excited. Next week, we are going to conclude our series called I Feel Attacked. I hope you make time for it. I hope you make space for it. And I hope you fill the seat that is sitting beside you empty right now. Bring somebody with you to church next week. It's going to be awesome. Love you so much. Coffee bar is loaded. It's ready to go. We're going to have a great time. Let's spend some time getting to know one another. God bless. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church Podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.